The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. Today's episode continues our series on investing first principles with something I believe is common sense. With that said, I'm still going to dive in because I think it's important to address even those first principles that are simple on the surface. Yet, what I'm talking about today is also an area that many investors might make some common mistakes. When making stock purchases, it is much better to buy at low prices than to buy at high prices. This goal of buying at low prices can be expressed by either buying at a low P.E. ratio or a high earnings yield. Before I get started, I want to begin with a very short request. If you gain value from today's content, please consider becoming a patron of the podcast. I produce this show as free educational material without any advertising because I believe your time is valuable and advertising distracts from that. Producing this show takes both time and money and your financial support helps me to continue producing great content for you. You can learn more at DIYinvesting.org patron and patrons receive exclusive access to my private investment research, including a list of the stocks I own and the valuation work that I perform. Thank you for your support. So let's dive in. Again, the topic of today's show is that low stock prices are better than high stock prices. This is a critical first principle for investors. And what I'm going to break down is first, the reasons for this being a key first principle, talk a little bit about the relationship between price and value, and then talk about the limitations that this principle has, because I don't want you to get confused as there are certain areas where this first principle can be limited in scope and value in how you apply it. And that's always critical. When we discuss first principles, what we're trying to do is establish a framework by which we can judge our investments, by which we can create an investment strategy. And so it's important to understand not only where first principles of investing apply, but also where they don't apply. Because if you don't understand the boundary conditions by which your theory is based, it's possible to make mistakes. With that said, let's dive into the first area that I want to discuss. And that 
It's preferable to purchase stocks at low stock prices for two key reasons. Number one, the margin of safety is higher. And number two, potential return is higher. Now, that's one way to say it, but the other way that I like to think about it is when I'm talking about the margin of safety being higher by purchasing stocks at low stock prices, what I'm really talking about, what happens if you're wrong in your investment thesis? And then the alternative, potential return being higher, is really the category of what happens if you're right. So what we want to know when we're making a stock purchase is we want to make the best possible outcome when we're wrong and the best possible outcome when we're right. Because we know going in that no matter how good our process, we're still going to make mistakes. It's impossible to have a 100% success rate when you make stock purchases. And so when you make mistakes, you want them to hurt as little as possible. And when you make good decisions with good process, you want them to have the highest return possible. And those two always need to be considered hand in hand because they're not the same thing. It's possible to have very high potential return with a very low margin of safety, which means if you're right, you might make a lot of money, but if you're wrong, you might lose a lot of money. And that's not what we want when we make our investments. Instead, we want a very high margin of safety, meaning that if you're wrong, you don't lose any money or a very little amount of money. And if you're right, you're likely to make a very large amount of money. So we're looking for those asymmetric risk and rewards, where basically it's very low risk, but very high reward. And the first principle of today, that low stock prices are better than high stock prices, is the key by which you can achieve this asymmetric reward. Because by purchasing at a low stock price, you're going to increase your margin of safety, protecting you in the downside, and you're going to increase your potential return. And this is the number one way that you can control the risk in your scenario and the reward. Again, margin of safety is risk management, potential return is reward. And that leads me to the second point that I want to cover. And that's the relationship between price and value. You see, value investing at its core is all about purchasing assets for less than they're worth. And this is a really key point that I'm going to hammer home because many people believe that there's not much difference between the price you pay and the value that receive you receive. And what I want you to do is to separate those two things in your mind. You see, the standard mainstream philosophy currently in today's market is that the efficient market hypothesis is accurate, which basically means that the market price of an asset reflects all of the information that's known about it and thus accurately reflects the value for that asset. And this asset could be a bond, it could be a stock, but basically the efficient market hypothesis says that there's no way that you can outperform the market because the market price reflects the value. And what I want you to do is separate that. It's not to say that this couldn't possibly be true in some world, but what I want you to say is, okay, let's break it out into its parts. And the first part is price, and price represents what you pay. And the second part is value. Value is what you receive. So price is what you pay, value is what you receive. Once you break it out into these two parts, 
it becomes quite simple because obviously the lower the price you pay, the better the outcome, regardless of the value that you receive. If there's something that is worth $100 to you, then if you can purchase it for $80, that's going to be great value to you because you're going to have a $20 extra benefit the moment you make that purchase. And the same is true as if the price is $50, you're going to be even better off than if you were able to have bought it at $80 because now you have a $50 surplus that goes to you because you value something for $100 and you got it for $50. On the converse side, if you were to pay a high price, like $150 for something that was only worth $100 to you, now you've lost $50 of value because you have paid too high a price for what you received. This same construct applies in investing. This applies to when you're purchasing stocks in the stock market. If a stock is worth $100, it very much matters what price you pay for it. Now, the market might believe that if a stock is worth $100, then it would have to be priced at $100. And if the price is something different, then your assessment of value is wrong. But that's simply not true. Now, it's quite possible that your assessment of value is wrong, But the price alone does not determine value. The price and the value are separate. They're distinct objects. They're distinct concepts that you really need to separate because that's the core aspect that you need to understand with value investing. And you're really trying to focus. The the lower the price you pay, the better it is. And what you need to get behind is this is a very easy psychological block. When you're investing, if stock prices are going down, the natural human instinct is to feel negative about that outcome. You, as you see red, as you see that the stock prices are going down, our natural psychology is to react in, react in a negative manner, to feel pain, to feel hurt, as if money has been lost, as if things are worse than they were before. What you need to train yourself to do if you want to become a better investor is to understand that when prices drop, That's not a negative, but in fact, that's a positive because dropping stock prices means increasing opportunity, means more value potentially as you can buy stocks that are on sale. And I think the easiest way to really connect this in your mind is to think of the stock market the same way you would think about making consumer purchases in your life. If you're trying to buy clothes, is it better to buy it at full price or do you want to buy it when it has a 40% off sale? You're going to want to choose a 40% off sale. Maybe you even want a clearance sale where everything's 70% off. You should think the same way with stocks. You want to be able to buy your stocks at 40% off. Take your coupon in and get a discount. You want to be able to buy them when they're on the clearance rack, like the bottom of March 2009, when they were on clearance and selling way below what they were worth. That's the time where you really want to buy stocks because the price is much, much cheaper. And that low price that you purchase at is what helps ensure a better outcome for you in the future. And that outcome, again, as I said, is regardless of the value that you actually receive from the stock. Even if you make a bad decision on a stock, it's going to be better to buy it when it's a lower price. If a stock is worth a dollar and you pay $5, that's not good. But if a stock is worth a dollar and you pay only $2, it's still not good, but it's not nearly as bad if you had, as if you had paid the $5. 
So when you're thinking about stocks, you really need to think about it in the consumer mindset. So the same way where when you see falling prices in a store, that's a positive. You want to see falling stock prices as a positive. If the price of clothes go down, that's a positive for you as a consumer. If the price of beef is going down, that's a positive for the price of a as a consumer, if you're going out to buy avocados and you see their prices skyrocketed 3x, you're not sitting there and being like, man, I'm so glad that my I'm paying more money for avocados this week. No, you're sitting there and saying, man, I'm losing money that I didn't have to pay the week before because the price of what I want to buy has gone up. And that's how I want you to think about stocks. And I want you to put clearly in your mind to understand this relationship between price and value because if you can understand that that will simplify a lot of your investment of investing decisions going forward so that's really the crux of this investing first principle that it's preferable to purchase stocks at low stock prices because it increases your margin of safety and your potential return is higher and so whether you are right or you are wrong you're going to be better off by buying at low stock prices. And the second piece is that's really driven by this relationship between price and value. So now that I've captured the inclusive part of where this first principle applies, I want to talk about some of the other considerations because as I covered in one of my previous podcasts, and that would be podcast 29, the all else equal mental model, the, the these first principles are really driven in using the all else equal mental model. And basically that this whole discussion assumes that everything else is equivalent. And when you take that away, the first principle can break down. And so I want to talk about some of the areas where that breakdown occurs so that you understand how and where to apply this first principle. The first consideration I want you to understand is that the time value of money matters. Basically, you can't directly compare the stock prices across time. In other words, if you compare a stock price today versus the stock price one year ago, it's not directly comparable. You know, it's quite possible that it makes sense to pay a higher price for a stock today than it did a year ago if the value has increased. And that's really tying back to this value versus price relationship you need to clearly understand that, that the price doesn't operate on its own. So when we talk about low prices, we're talking about low prices, all else equal, assuming the value is fixed. If the value is fluctuating, just like it does in real life, that does change the calculus some. You need to understand that, okay, if the value is going up, then the price you should be willing to pay has increased as well. And that's not always what you'll see. If you're just looking at a stock price chart, you might look and like, oh, well, it was you know, 50% lower two years ago. I don't really want to buy at this price today. What you might not realize, it, it might be a, an even better deal today than it was two years ago, even though the stock price is 50% higher or 100% higher in that sense, because a 50% drop is equivalent to a 100% gain when you match out um, how that works. And so that's where I want to think about it, because one of the areas that is a common area that people can struggle with is when they'll just look at stock charts, they'll understand, hey, the price changes have occurred, and they're not equating that to the changes in value of the underlying business. And so you really need to understand how is the value of the business changed over time, but really, how is the value today? And if the value of the business today is higher than the price you're paying, then that can be a good decision. Um, But you don't want to get anchored 
And that's, that's the other mental model is that you're anchoring to a past price. And that can cause your problems with time value of money. The second piece here is where all else equal considerations can come into play is what I call variable business quality. You see, some businesses are of higher quality than others, which means you can't directly compare the price to earnings ratio to that of another company. You see, a high quality business might be worth, say, a 20 times PE ratio. You know, but that means basically trading it to the price of the stock is 20 times the last year's earnings, while another business might only be worth 10 times price to earnings. And it would be a mistake to assume that the 10 times PE company is a better deal than the 20 times PE company, simply because with a common price to earnings ratio, it looks cheaper. Looks can be deceiving, and it really matters is the business a high quality business, is it a low quality business? And that quality of the business, quality of the earnings, directly impacts what price you should be willing to pay. So although low stock prices matter and low stock prices are better, you need to be careful when comparing business to business. Which brings me to my third point, another area where you need to be careful comparing business to business, variable growth rates. You see, some businesses have the capability of profitably growing their earnings and others do not. Those with profitable and sustainable growth in the future are going to be worth more, which means you can't directly compare the P.E. ratios in that circumstance. Because if you look at one company that has a P.E. ratio of 20 and you compare it to a company that has a P.E. ratio of 30, the P.E. ratio of 30 is going to look more expensive. But if the company at the P.E. ratio of 30 is able to double their earnings every year, that may be the cheaper company. And it's you just really need to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples. And that's what this all else equal is comparison. But it can cause some problems if you're focusing solely on the lower stock price. And the last area I want to discuss today is industry differences. You see, some industries are more attractive than others because they have better economics behind them. If you compare, say, the shipping industry, which is very capital intensive, it costs a lot of money to build ships, to construct massive behemoth areas, you have to have a lot of equipment, you have to purchase a lot of inventory of steel um, and other metals in order to build these ships, and you have to, it takes a long period of time to do this. That is very capital intensive and is not in a very attractive industry. Now you compare that to an industry like the chocolate industry where you can buy something like Nestle or Hershey or Lint. The chocolate industry has very positive economics. For every dollar that you're investing, you might receive 20 or 30 cents back in profit each year because the capital intensity is very low and the profit margins are very high. This means that if you have two companies, you have a Hershey's, which is trading at 20 times earnings, and you have, and that's in the chocolate industry, and you compare it to a shipping company or a shipbuilder company that's trading at 20 times earnings, it's highly likely that the chocolate company is going to be a better deal, even though the prices are the same. And so it means that you need to be very careful because what's much more likely is that the chocolate company is going to appear to be at 20 times earnings, and the ship building company might seem to be at five times earnings. And you need to be careful because it might be that the chocolate company is still a better deal than the shipping company, shipbuilding company at five times earnings because the, the stock price is comparing across something that breaks the all else equal mental model.
So I really want to summarize it now and make sure you're you're fully capturing what the focus here is. Again, the scope of this first principle is limited to simply understanding that your goal is to purchase the highest amount of present and future earnings possible. And the way you do this is by paying a low price for those earnings. And so I've talked a lot about the P-E ratio, and that's basically if you take the inverse of that, you're talking about the earnings yield. So your earnings yield is you know, how much cash you're receiving this year by being an owner of that business in terms of owner's earnings. So an owner's yield of 5% is equivalent to a P-E ratio of 20, and an owner's yield Earnings yield of 10% is equivalent to a P-E ratio of 10. And so it's just talking about that the higher that earnings yield is, which is equivalent to the cheaper the stock price, the better that is going to be when you compare across other limiting factors. But on this one factor alone, when you're just looking at price, the lower the price, the better. And that low stock prices should not be seen as a negative, they should be seen as a positive. And it is important for you to understand your psychological preferences and your psychological tendencies because that can cause you to make good or bad decisions depending upon how much you recognize that. So separate the relationship between price and value. Make sure you understand that low stock prices increase your margin of safety and increase your potential return such that if something goes wrong or if something goes right, you'll end up working out better by purchasing stocks at a lower stock price. So that is the investing first principle for today. I hope you'll join me next week as I discuss another investing first principle. The full show notes for this podcast, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at diyinvesting.org slash episode 33. If you gain value from today's content, please consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You can become a patron at diyinvesting.org slash patron. And if you gain value from today's content and you don't yet have any the capability or intent to support the show financially, I would really appreciate it if you instead chose to simply leave a rating and review on this podcast. If it's five stars, great. Tell me that. Just give me a one sentence reason on why you enjoy the show. I would really appreciate it and it would help me grow the podcast. So thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast.